Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Hey, so glad to be here with you this morning. So we are in week number four of our present series. Uh, If you're just jumping in, you didn't miss anything because I believe that as we go through this series, it is just going to get sweeter and sweeter. It's going to get better and better. Uh, I'm I'm praying to God that we are not just talking about His presence, but we're experiencing His presence. This morning, we're going to look at how His presence satisfies. How about that, huh? That He's more than enough. You know, uh, me and Becky, we were out of town a few weeks ago, and we went to Olive Garden. Uh, we, we, didn't, we don't go to Olive Garden that often, but how many of you know when they bring you the salad and they ask for the grated cheese, what do they always tell you? Say when. So I let that lady crank on it for a little while. I said, how much? She goes, I still got cheese in here. So she just keeps on going. And I feel like that that's what God does. He wants to continually pour out so much of his goodness. It's going to be up to you to say, whoa. But the moment you become satisfied with other things, you got to realize that cuts off the flow. So you just need to stand under that in abundance of that Parmesan cheese this morning and allow His Holy Spirit just to wash over you, His satisfaction in your life. You know, this series that we've been going through, it, it, it focuses on inviting the presence of the Lord, how to invite the presence of God into your every moment. That's what it's all about. It's not just on a Sunday morning experience His presence, leaving, going out the double doors and saying, you know what, next week, Pastor Noe, we'll come back and we'll experience that again. No, we are supposed to be carriers of the presence of God where we're we're experiencing this all the time. This isn't something we just experienced on Sunday. This is something we should live as sons and daughters of God. Y'all got that revelation? We can extend this series to the end of the year if we need to. That's what it's all about. It's welcoming His presence. It's learning to live in His presence. It's learning that every moment is an opportunity for His presence to be made available in our lives. So my hope is that we're not just talking about it, but we're experiencing it. So before um, we start, can you just lift your hands towards heaven? And I'm just going to pray over you that today, maybe you haven't got it yet. You said, Pastor Noah, I've been going through this present series. I'm praying that today, Lord, as we focus on your word, that today you would reveal your presence to us. Repeat after me. Say, Lord, I give you permission. I give you access to every part of me. And I'm here to meet with you today. Amen. And you can lower your hands. You give him access to your life. And when you do that, he promises to come near to you. So I don't know what your expectations are of today, but I pray that as your expectations rise, as I share some of these things, that you would receive everything that God has for you. So let's think about it just for a moment, what it means to be satisfied. So the word satisfaction by definition actually means fulfilling one's wishes, expectations, or needs or the pleasure derived from it. So that's, that's where the word satisfaction comes from. So think about a time when you were really, really hungry or really, really thirsty. Let, let that sink in for a moment. You're like, Pastor Noe, every time we fast, maybe that came to mind. Or maybe you were outside working and you didn't have a, a drink and you, you're just parched. You're, you know, everything is dry. You know, South Texas, it does that, right? 
So think about a time when you were really hungry and you were really thirsty. Maybe it was a time you missed breakfast accidentally because you left the house in a hurry. You ever done there, been there, done that? You meant to grab it, you didn't grab it, and now you're starving all morning. Or let's say you leave the house to go to work and you leave your lunch in the fridge. You planned ahead, you prepped, but you left your food in the fridge. You went all day, you were hungry, right? So we know that, you know, being hungry can be one of the most kind of unsatisfactions in our life. Amen? Right? You know, it reminds us of how important, you know, the satisfaction of eating really is in our life. So do you realize that eating actually helps your mental focus? It keeps your body functioning and helps you just be a happier person. How many of you know you're happier when you're full and fed? The alternative, when I'm hungry and cranky, it's where we derive that word hangry. Snickers has done a great job communicating what that is. You're not yourself when you're hungry. But we realize that when we're hungry, sometimes just anything will satisfy. But what I'm talking about is really, really being satisfied. Okay? So what I'm talking about is something that you crave, something you desire. Think about it just for a moment. And I know you're going to hate me for this because I know it's getting closer to lunchtime. Think about your favorite meal. You know, my dog, when I, when I grab his bowl to go fill it up, you know what he starts doing? He starts going... He'll just lick his lips. He knows, man, dinner is coming. So think about that meal. Man, put your tongue back in your mouth. As you think about what is your favorite meal, I'm talking about the one that satisfies it. Don't worry about the price of it because I think there is some variable to expensive, good, great, high-quality food that is overly satisfying. You guys got it? You figured it out? You know what it is or you need a little bit of, you're in dreamland. You need me to pause just for a minute? I'm going to bring you back in, okay? So think about that, you know, that satisfies, that's good, this deep satisfaction when eating. Let me tell you what it was for me. On the border used to have these Chipotle chicken fajitas. I mean, I would dream about this meal. Say, Pastor Noe, I don't know if that's a healthy balance. I don't care what you say. That's just how it was. I would think about it. I would say, when somebody say, what do you want to eat? This is the first thing that would come to my mind. So I would think about this meal. I would crave this meal. It is just the perfect balance of the chicken with the chipotle and the cheese and the, you know what I'm talking about. So you're like, man, chicken, chipotle, fajitas on the border. Sounds good. Well, one day I showed up. I ordered the chicken, chipotle, fajitas. And they said, sir, we no longer serve that here. You talk about a hole in my heart. You talk about the dissatisfaction. What do you mean you took that off? That was your number one seller every time I came in. Now, some of you laugh and you say, man, like, you're serious about this food stuff. Absolutely, I'm serious about this food stuff. And when it's chicken chipotle fajitas, it was really personal. Now, I know we're all laughing and I'm talking about this hole in my heart. But let me tell you what. This morning, that hole inside of us, each of us have that also. But it's not in regards to chicken, chipotle, fajitas. It is a hole in our heart of satisfaction that only God can fill. If you fill it with anything else, you will realize you will never be satisfied. It's like eating and never being satisfied. It's like drinking and never being satisfied. There's nothing else that will fill that void in your heart. Psalm 16:11. It says, you will make known to me the paths of life. 
In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So when we look at this passage, what does it say? It says that he will make known, he will actually reveal to us the path of life. And that is an awesome thing. It says, in your presence there is fullness of joy. So when we see that word fullness of joy, to me, that's satisfaction. Fullness of joy. That satisfaction happens. And then he says, at your right hand there are actually pleasures. The the pleasant, loving, delightful things forevermore. How many of you know there's something about being in the presence of the Lord that causes a hunger and thirst for more of His presence? You know, even like this morning, we, get, we, we, we kind of get right in that place of where we're like, man, can we just go back to that? Can we just stay there? You know, we should find moments that really cause us to salivate and just like be like, man, I can't wait for that next encounter with God. But there's something that when we're exposed to His presence, and once we've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, there is a draw to His presence occasionally. Now, if we're smart we realize we can actually live in that. We never have to separate from it. It's not just the altar of the church. His presence actually sits on the altar of our hearts. So just like we come forward on a Sunday morning expecting to meet with God every single morning before we even step out of bed, it doesn't matter what time you get up, say, Lord, today, allow me to be aware of your presence in my life. We establish where does the Holy Spirit live? Inside of us, right? He wants to be released in our hearts. He wants to be released in, his, in, our, in, our, in our lives. He's not going to limit you. You're going to limit yourself. All right? Matthew 5, 6, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness or for righteousness, for they will be filled. It's a promise of God's word. When you hunger and thirst for righteousness... It'll happen. So satisfaction to me means that it leaves you at a place where there, there's really no need for more, but there's no need for less. It's really kind of, well, that satisfied moment. You know, I was trying to explain to my kids about overeating. You know, so they're like, well, I'm still hungry. I was like, did you drink any water? Well, no. I said, drink water. I said, you know what's going to happen? They're like, no. All that bread that you ate, as soon as you drink that water, is going to swell up in your stomach and then you'll be full. They get this thing, and then I was talking about, hey, the rule is start, stop when you're 80% full. So they were, they were looking at me puzzled. I said, okay, let me put it in a way you can understand. How many tacos did Daddy just eat? I ate four tacos. How many tacos should Daddy have ate? Three slash two and a half? I don't know. Like, it depends what I was feeling like that day. So I'm trying to explain, just because I have it doesn't mean I eat all of it, right? You know, it's just... Like, I'm going to have to throw it away. Oh, man, like, sad day I'm throwing McDonald's away. I'm heartbroken. No, I don't care. Now, if I throw tacos away, I don't like to do that. Those are like those Chipotle fajita chicken. Don't want to throw tacos away. But really, we we find that place of satisfaction where it's not leaving, leaving us where we really are desiring all this a lot, but we're not living in lack either. So let's look at this Psalms of David that shows us how God satisfies us. That's going to be found in Psalms 103, 1 through 5. Okay, so it says, Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. So let me pause there before we get to the list of the things that God does for us that shows us what He does to satisfy us. So right here in these Psalms, we realize that, you know, David was talking to himself here. He was saying, soul... 
Those are our mind, our will, and our emotions. He's talking to, he's kind of giving his flesh a pep talk. That's what he's saying. He's saying rejoice, focus on. You know, he says, he says, praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inward beings praise his holy name. Mind, remember his benefits. And then in verse 3, he's, we, I really believe that he begins to, to unpack what it is that God does that satisfies us. In verse 3, it says, this is who God is. The God who forgives all your sin. And he heals all your diseases. Verse 4, he redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Verse 5, who satisfies your desire with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So how does God bring satisfaction to your life? Number one, he forgives sin. Now, if we just stop there, that's awesome. You mean God satisfies me by forgiving my sin even when I don't deserve it? Absolutely. That's the kind of father, father that we serve. He deals with sin. He allows us to live a blameless life. Now, that doesn't mean we're perfect, but he chooses to see us as blameless. He chooses to see us through the blood of Christ. Psalms 103.10, it says, He does not deal with us according to our sin, nor repay us according to our iniquity. Amen for that. Can you imagine if he said, Okay, Noe, I'm going to give you everything you deserve. I'm going to give you everything that you're, all the sins that you've done, I'm going to hold them against you. It'd be a bad day. It'd be a bad day for all of us. But it says that he chooses not to deal with us according to our sins or repay us according to our iniquity. Uh, Isaiah 53, 5, it says, but he, Jesus, this is what he's talking about. He says, when he was pierced for our transgressions uh, and he was crushed for our iniquity. So he was pierced for sin and he was crushed for our, sin, for our sinful nature, our iniquities. Our transgressions. He paid the price. So when we think about sin, most of us have the wrong perception of why God makes such a big deal about it. Most people, when you talk about church, what are they thinking about? You're judging me. You're asking me to be holy. You're asking me to be right. You're asking me to be perfect. All of these preconceived ideas. But sin often comes up pretty quick in a conversation when you talk about church or Jesus. You realize that? But most of us think of sin as a bad thing, not a thing that has been paid for. If I think about it as it being paid for and the sin being removed from my life by the gracious gift of God through His Son, man, that's a good perspective. But i got to realize that I can be on the grace side of God or I can be on the judged side of God. If I hold willful sin in my heart and I do not choose forgiveness and I do not choose to be covered under the blood of Jesus, guess what? I am held accountable to those sins. And you know what those sins give me? Death. And you say, why would God send me to hell? He did not choose to send you to hell. You chose to send yourself to hell because you did not believe unto Jesus, which is the covering for sin. But this is the gift that God has given us to satisfy us. He didn't want us to live seeing ourselves as sin, but he wanted us to live in a life to see ourselves as blameless. You realize that? I mean, just the, the weight of that, the blessing of that. Well, when God looks at me, he doesn't say, well, Noah, you know, you need to deal with these things first. Like when God sees me, he sees the price of Jesus. He sees me saturated from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet as a follower of Christ saturated by the blood. Do you realize it says that he was pierced for your transgressions and he was crushed for your iniquities. Jesus paid the price once so we would never have to pay the price again. Why would he punish us for something Jesus took the price for? 
It's like you're going through the department store to pay for something, or I don't know if you've ever done this, where you're driving through a drive-thru, and you go to pay for your food, and guess what? They already paid for it. It makes no sense for them to take the money again for something that has already been purchased. It requires nothing of you. All you do is say, oh, cool, thank you. That's awesome. And if it's really cool, you pay, you, then you pay for the person behind you, and it keeps dominoing. But that's what it's like when God gives us forgiveness of sin. He forgives it. He deals with it. He, he casts it as far as from the east as the west of our lives. It says he actually chooses to remember our sin no more. It's a pretty cool gift. And if I see myself as the righteousness of Christ because of what Jesus has done, that is a great gift that is actually very satisfying. Because I don't have to worry about what I will do. Guess what? It's covered. I necessarily don't need to even worry about where I am right now because you know what? It's covered. Everything I've done, if we were to get the laundry list, some of ours is pretty lengthy, right? We're like, oh, guess what? It's covered. That is the gift that God gives us to satisfy. You got to realize that God is not the bad guy, but he's actually a good God. You got to change the perspective. We see God as the bad guy, but he's actually a really, really good God. We've put so much trust in so many things. Why would we not trust a good and loving God? Because we have the wrong perspective. We have friends like that. We maybe used to be like that. How many of you went through a, through a season of your life, and I, want you, I do want you to raise your hand, that you saw God as the bad guy? Right? And then something changed. You said, man, he wasn't the bad guy. He actually was just a really, really good God that held us to a standard that I could not perform to. But that wasn't the point anyway. Because the performance was based on Jesus, not us anyway. you got to get this. This is awesome. This is an awesome gift that brings ultimate satisfaction. God wants to for, forgive our sin, not judge you for your sin. God is, a faithful, God is faithful to forgive. Jot this down, Nehemiah 9, 17 through 21. Don't turn to it now. Nehemiah 9, 17 through 21, and you can go back and read that. This just talks about the faithfulness of God to forgive. It's just an awesome passage, okay? So what is our attitude towards asking for forgiveness? Sometimes it's guilt, it's shame, and it's avoidance. You ever done that? When my kids do something wrong, very rarely do they say, hey, Dad, I messed this up. Man, they duck, tail, and hide. I think that's just our nature. We try to avoid God rather than acknowledge what we've done. I think that's just a natural thing. I didn't have to teach my kids that. They just were that. And we have to realize we're like that also. So sometimes we, we avoid God. But what about quickly running to God and saying, thank you for all your forgiveness and hiding under that gift of forgiveness in our life and, and allowing it to satisfy us and sustain us and to cover us all the days of our life. That's what that gift does. It says he forgives some of our sin. Man, that all is a pretty powerful word. A-L-L. All our sin. Now, some of you don't understand the doctrine behind that. You cannot wrap your mind around the magnitude of that word all. You'll say, well, only if. All is all. If I pay the bill in full, there's nothing left to pay. But what about the tip? Well, if there was a tip required, guess what? All encompasses the tip also. There's nothing left for you to do. Jesus did it all. So we can acknowledge it or we can avoid it. David was a man who always acknowledges his sin before God. That's what made him have a heart after God's own heart. 
God, gave, God made the choice for us by sending Jesus to cover and forgive sin and all sin. Isaiah 55, 7, it says, Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, he will freely pardon. He's always a good judge. He always releases grace and forgiveness. And he pardons those sins. Realize this morning that forgiveness is something we receive, not something we earn. It's a strong statement. Forgiveness is not something that we, it's something that we receive. It's not some, something we earn. <laughs> if it was based on track record, we have all fallen short. The Bible actually says we have all fallen short of the glory of God, deserving death. Just to be clear, in case you were like popping your collar up at me and saying, well, what about me? I've been pretty good. Because <laughs> we've all fallen short. A-L-L, all fallen short. But thank God that he has forgiven A-L-L, all of our sin. Y'all aren't excited about that gift? That's number one. I got three more. So how does he satisfy us? How does he bring us a satisfied life? He forgives sin. So number two, he heals our sickness. So he releases healing. He, you know God desires us, us to have healthy lives? You're like, well, I wish those cheeseburgers wouldn't equal this. Well, that wasn't, you know, like what you put in your mouth is just kind of under your control. You picked it up. That's not God's ultimate plan. But God's ultimate plan is us to have healthy, long, quality lives. That's what he wants. Isaiah um, 53, 5, it says the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we were healed. It's at that moment that we were healed. Now, a lot of people will say, well, you know, the punishment that brought us peace, this was talking about when Jesus died. This is not talking about when Jesus came back at the end of time. This is talking about when he was crucified on the cross, there was now health and wholeness available to the body. You realize that? So how many of you know Jesus already died? Right? He was already crucified on the cross. We have to realize that the punishment that brought us peace was on him. He already took that on him. And by his wounds, has he already been wounded? So if he has already been wounded, it says now we are healed. We walk in this wholeness. We walk in this health. We have to realize that that word heals actually means to heal, repair, or rebuild. So this is a reference to sickness, to infirmity, to illness, to plague, or or pestilence. You know that the people of God should trust God with their health today? Now, I know a lot of us, we're going to grab an ibuprofen. We're going to go to the doctor immediately. That's our first response. And we're going to justify that. And, you know, Pastor or Barry Liberoni, if you're watching, sorry, man. Like, God uses doctors, but we got to realize that God is ultimately the greatest physician there is. We can refer medicine. We can refer different health treatments. We can refer these things to medicate or to help. But we got to realize, why do we not go to God first? Why before we go get an ibuprofen because we have a bad headache, why don't we just pause and say, Lord, can you take care of that? Because if we allow him, and that could be related to high blood pressure, stress in your life, do you realize that if we allow God to heal that headache, he could possibly heal the high blood pressure also? So we don't have to keep medicating the, the, the issue in our lives, but we can have that healing divine health in our lives that he so desires to give us. Now, I know at the end, when it gets really bad in most people's lives, then they look to God. Why don't we look to God first and expect Him to honor His Word? 
to health, to wholeness, and trusting in Him. We have to realize that, you know, people should trust God with their health today. Realize this. Don't agree with the enemy and affirm what he says. Oh, Pastor Noah, where are you going with this? Well, some of us say, well, you know, I've just always had cancer in my family. How many of you ever said that? Well, we've always had cancer. That's just been something in our life. Well, there needs to come a moment where you break that in the name of Jesus off of that generational curse of your life. I mean, we're okay doing that with sin or poverty, whatever. Why are we not going to do that with health and wholeness? Either I believe it or I reject it. Either I have faith to believe in it or I don't. But I tell you what, if you listen to the accuser of the brethren, he will lie to you every single time and say, that's a byproduct of sin, that's a byproduct of the curse, and you will never walk in health and wholeness. But yet God comes over here and he says, by my stripes you have been healed. Do you realize that's for now? I don't need health and wholeness when I get to heaven. I can eat as many tacos as I want and never gain an ounce. I need that in this lifetime. Good immune system, good thyroid levels, whatever it is, mental health, mental wholeness. Removed from depression, all of these things in our life that we allow the enemy to, to do in our lives, we need to reject that. We can't say, well, it's always been in my family. That's just what it is. Well, what about this one? Well, I guess it's just God's will for me to be sick. So then they put the blame on God, not understanding who he is, but it kind of gives them some type of saying, well, I guess this is just what it is. And so they agree with the enemy, not with God. Well, it's just passed down through genetics. But it's time to take authority over your body, release healing virtue into your body. that comes from the stripes across Jesus' back. Can we praise God about that for just a minute? Come on. Some of you are hesitant to clap because you're like, man, Pastor Noah, you don't understand. No, I don't, but God does. I don't heal you. God does. Jesus' back bears the stripes for your healing. Now you can sit there and do the little, the little golf clap. Or today you can reach out and you can grab it and say, Lord, I need that. Lord, forgive me for saying this cancer's been in my family. Lord, I reject this high blood pressure. I reject the anxiety. I refuse it no more. I throw it into the pit of hell where it belongs. And choose to stay on the promises of what God wants for you. I'm not talking about physical health here. I'm talking about mental health. If you can't have a clear mind, how effective do you think you'll be for God? God wants to make you have a clear, focused mind. He wants you to live many, many years on the earth. Healthy and whole. Do your part to take care of your body and believe God for the rest. I'm not saying just... Eat like an animal and a fool and be like, Lord, change this cholesterol into, ca- into healthy calories. You know, I was looking at a, you ever seen, I was, I was looking at this pork rind bag and it said no carbohydrates. And I'm looking at that, I was like, well, I know this can't be that good for you. Y'all know what that is, right? I'm not going to explain what that is. But I'm like, okay, no carbs, but a whole lot of greasy fat and I was like liver destruction like I'm looking at this it's like so we have to realize that it's our responsibility to do something on our part but then to believe God for the rest and if you don't know we're by an, by an airport you might have thought Jesus was coming back right then said so, so, oh they heard they heard the wind and they heard the sound and somebody in the back said Lord Jesus <laughs> forgive me I'm yet a sinner Ooh, how about that altar call? So he gives us good gifts. He gives us gift of, of, of a healthy life. You got to do your part. 
When there's nothing else to do, reach out in faith. You know, in Luke 8, 41 through 48, there's a story about a woman with an issue of blood. Most of you have probably heard that story. But as, as I was looking at that story, do you know that that story starts, it says, Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house when the woman reached out. It was not Jesus' agenda to heal the woman with the issue of blood. He had his mind focused on something else, but when Jesus passed by, she all of a sudden made Jesus the focus of her priority. The woman was not Jesus' priority. He was kind of caught off guard by it because he says as he passed by, he felt power be released from his body as somebody grabbed the hem of his garment. He said, whoa, 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 somebody touched me and the disciples thought it was ignorant. He said, Jesus, there's people all around you. But there's something different about when you reach out for Jesus in faith rather than reaching out with a lack of faith. And what did he often say? According to your faith, so be it. Just cry out for help today. And Jesus will come to your rescue. So what else does he do to satisfy? He forgives sin. He heals all of our sickness. Number three, he rescues you. You know, this word rescue here, it says that you were in a pit. So the pit is actually referring to the grave. You were, so it's implying not anymore. You are no longer dead. But he has actually saved us from the pit. He has redeemed your life. He has claimed what is rightfully his. He took back from the enemy what was always his. You know, the enemy thought he won for a split second. But let me tell you what, Jesus stood up for another round. In those three days, he thought he had utter victory. He said, I have killed the Son of God. But we know that was all part of God's master plan. That was all part of the process. He had to die and be raised again. But let me tell you what, on that third day, the guard in the tomb could not hold him. But he got back up. But, be, but because how he has all, how he has lived through that resurrection life, guess what? That also ensures us of resurrection life in our own heart. Because he was resurrected from the dead, that ensures that Jesus is going to come back and we will all rise again. Rather breathing or dead in the grave. He will come back for a people who he has rescued, who he has saved. So how long will you stay content stuck in the pit? You know, I've seen these traps that, 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 that these uh, National Geographic, they'll put these traps and they're, they're, they're such a deep pit that you cannot get out of them. They'll set them for animals and I've seen them with tigers also. They're like jumping out trying to get, but they cannot get out on their own. So what happens, I mean, I guess they would tranquilize it. I don't know how you get a tiger out of a hole. But sometimes we are fiercely fighting just like that tiger to get out of the hole and we have to come to our senses and realize there is nothing we can do to get out of that hole unless we are rescued. Unless there is something that pulls us out of the pit of the grave. Guess what? Jesus was that rope. Jesus was that ladder. Jesus was that rescue. It says that he, he comes and he rescues. He saves our life. He says that, that, that he will actually remove you from that pit. That passage is really, really cool because it says he redeems your life from the pit and he actually crowns you with love and compassion. So this is kind of like a twofer. He he rescues you, but he also loves you and and fills you with compassion. He pursues you with that compassion. You know, I asked, uh, I'm not going to mention the name because he's not my kid. He's my kid, I'll mention the name every time, but had 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 a kid over at the house and 
we went to my in-laws, and they have a swimming pool, and I was asking the individual, I said, hey, can you swim? I mean, that's because, like, if, if I have the kids going with me, they're my responsibility. I got to know if they can swim or not. And the individual's response says, well, I can swim if I have to. So I was like, what does that mean? Like, <laughs> you can either swim or you can't swim. Like, it's not if I have to. So I asked the individual, I said, hey, let's go to the deep end and jump. And he goes, heck no. That means that boy can't swim. We have to realize in life, we are like that kid who says, if I, if I have to, but the raw reality, we are all in the deep end, sinking to the bottom. And it's God who throws us the life preserver and rescues us from the pit. And it's at that moment that we realize, you know, you ever seen it? I got this. I got this. Leave me alone. And bloop, 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 bottom of the pool. Come on. Jesus is that lifeline. God has thrown that life preserver to you. All you have to do is reach out and grab it. And then even at that point, just hold on to it. Because what's he going to do? He's going to tow on that rope and he's going to bring you all the way into safety. That's what he does. How does he satisfy us? He rescues you. Number four, what does he do? He gives you, he's the giver of good things. Actually, great things. And this is how he brings the biggest satisfaction in our life. James 1.17, it says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Realize that what this is talking about, he is, being, he is a changeless God. He does not change. You know, this passage where it says, satisfies your desires. I was looking at this word, and satisfy your desires, that's how it says it in the NIV. So then I look at the King James Version, and he says, I will actually satisfy the things of your mouth. Then I looked at the NLT, and it says, I will satisfy your life. Then I looked at the NSAB, and it said, I will satisfy you with years. And then the CSV actually says, I will satisfy you. So look at all of these words. This is completely focused on you as an individual. You, he cares about you, satisfying your dreams, your heart, your passions, the things that are important to you. It says the desires of your heart. Do you realize that? Satisfies the des your desires with good things. So that why? So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So satisfied desires produce a youthful zeal that allows you to fly like the eagles. You realize when you're satisfied, everything else is good. That's what it's talking about. When you are satisfied, good things happen. He satisfies you. Desires that are aligned with the heart of God are where the good and satisfying things come from. How many of you have ever bought something brand new? Now, I don't advocate of that all the time, depending on what it is. But have you ever purchased something brand new? There had been years and years and years that I always bought guitars secondhand. And then my wife encouraged me, took about this much encouragement for me to do it. But she said, why don't you buy one brand new? And so I start going through all of the, man, it's too expensive. As soon as I take it out of there, I already lost 250, 300 bucks, even if I keep it in immaculate condition. And to me, I just like, man, I'd rather buy it secondhand brand new than brand new. But let me tell you what, there's something about when it is so nice and so new and nothing's broke and my seats in my truck feel like I'm sitting on the recliner at my house that I just see the goodness of God in my life. And it causes an excitement because I know that if God has given me good things and taken care of me up to this point, guess what? 
I know that the journey ahead is going to be filled with good things also. Now, that doesn't mean I'm chasing a brand new, newest truck. I'm staying content with what I have, but I have seen the faithfulness of God. We see that. He's the giver of good things. Don't think God is going to shortchange you and jip you. Don't think that Christians can't have cool, nice, awesome things. We should be the blessed, blessed people, the most blessed people in the world. Should be. And there's some principles of how you create wealth and how you create good things. One thing I encourage you, if you, want to have, if you want God to bless you with a lot of good things, please be generous. Because if everything that God gives you is selfish, you will cut off that flow from your life. But if we see every good and perfect gift coming from God, not always just for my benefit, but for the benefit of others sometimes, God will keep giving us the resources of heaven if he, if he knows that he can get the resources of heaven through us and out to other people. That's a whole other message. I'd preach right there, man. That was, that's very little amens there. So that's, a, that's a good word for some of you. Lord, why aren't you blessing me? Why aren't you taking care of me? Because you're being completely selfish about it. But the cool thing about this passage, guess what? It is a selfish passage. It says he will bless you. He will take care of you. He will satisfy whose desires? Pastor Noe's desires? No, your desires is what he says. Let me close with this. If God himself is satisfying, then guess what? Dwelling in his presence will be also very satisfying. John 4, 4, 4 through 15, this, that's, this, that's the whole context of the, of the story. I'm not going to share the whole thing. But it talks about the woman at the well. How many of you know that, that uh, have learned by asking the right questions to God, you get a lot better answers? You can ask dumb questions and you get a dumb response. But if you ask the right questions, God will give you a really good answer. So in this passage, in verse 11, this is what, this is what uh, she says. She says, where can I get this living water? That's a good question. She wasn't debating. She got to said, if you have this water, I want it. Where can I get it from? In verse 13, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. He was referring to the water in the well, but he says, but this water, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So the satisfaction that Jesus was talking about here is from the inside out. You can eat all the cheeseburgers in the world and not be satisfied. You can drink all the water and Gatorade and electrolytes, whatever you want, and still be thirsty. What Jesus was talking about here was not physical. It was spiritual. It was something that was going to be in the inside that causes the most satisfaction. So there's nothing in this world that is going to satisfy you like His presence. The, the spring inside of you is the Holy Spirit who will never allow you to run dry or stagnate. It's a well. It's a well inside that never runs dry. You know, we're the ones that kind of say, okay, that's enough. Because we really just give the Holy Spirit this little bitty box inside of us. A small little box. We don't allow Him just to flow through us. Psalm 1611, I started with this one, but let's look at it this way. Maybe it'll make sense a little bit better to you. We talk about in His presence, His fullness of joy. And in His right hand, our pleasures forevermore. So what do we have in our lives? 
that will allow us the most satisfaction in our lives. His presence and His gifts. And guess what? Jesus comes with both. Can you stand up with me? We're closing. He wants His presence in your life. He has gifts that you know nothing about. You may say, Pastor, no, I've experienced a whole lot of great gifts. Guess what? He has more in store. He's not withholding anything from His own. But we have to find satisfaction in those things. We're going to shift gears just for a minute. What in your life have you substituted the satisfaction of God for in your life? Close your eyes for just a moment. Think about that. What have you substituted in your life? Filling that void maybe with people, maybe fighting for a position at a workplace, or if I make enough money, maybe it is just carnal pleasures, things that really, really don't satisfy. Maybe it's dangerous practices. So when I say people, position, pleasures, or dangerous practices, you say, Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the health of our relationship with our spouse, our friends. Maybe that fight for career or money. Those pleasures, maybe it's excessive hobbies. Busyness. Maybe it's just the, the accumulating possessions of stuff in our lives. When I say dangerous practices, I'm talking about alcohol. I'm talking about drugs. I'm talking about anything immoral or... Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.